Hello and welcome to the Queer Thesperience. I am your host, Casper Oliver. I use they, them, and he, him pronouns. I am an asexual, non-binary podcaster, creator, basically anything that I can get my grubby hands on is what I get up to these days. And today I am joined by, uh, this is the first time that I have actually interviewed anyone who does what you do. So this is very exciting. Uh, If you could please introduce yourself uh, and tell us what it is that you do. Uh, hi, I'm Spencer Wan. Uh, he is fine, I guess. And I identify as a gay man. And uh, <laughs> I work in an- animation. I really had to work to get that one out there. I work in animation currently on Spider-Verse, and I am the owner of a small studio called Studio Grackle. Which you accidentally started. Uh <laughs> <laughs> based on on the tweet i know that isn't technically what happened but accidentally started an animation studio sounds catchier uh so tell us about studio grackle so it was uh well i mean if we're going to get into the whole backstory here it was basically just a thing that i slapped together to create a project that someone wanted me to make and once we got into it, I realized that, oh, like, this is the thing that I actually want to do in animation. You know, I've been looking for a reason to keep doing it for some time. You start to question all of these things that you've been doing with your life at a certain point, And I kind of needed a reason to stay in animation. Well, like, you kind of hit a point where it's like you've been doing this thing or you've been working towards this goal for so long. And... It, it, especially if it's not quite the right path for you, it, it sort of hits all at once, at least I've noticed. If you get so far down a path and then it's just like, wait, I don't know if I really want to be doing this, but I've already gone this far. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you got an animation studio out of that. Uh, can I ask what the project was? Can we talk about that? Yeah, sure. So the, the project was, uh, we made the trailer for the launch of the game Hades by Supergiant on the Nintendo Switch. Actually, it was, sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 you you go, you go, you go. Um, So uh, there's actually kind of a funny story behind that one. It wasn't supposed to be the Nintendo Switch release trailer. It was supposed to be the version 1.0 release trailer, but uh, at some point during production, they came to me and they were like, hey, so we got this offer from Nintendo to put a trailer in their Nintendo Direct for the Switch release, but we can't because we haven't built the game for Switch yet. And in order to put a gameplay trailer in the Nintendo Direct, we would have to capture it on the actual Switch, and that doesn't exist. So the only thing we could use is this trailer you're currently making. And I was like, oh, (laughs) that's a pretty big deal that sounds great let's just do that yeah gets you on the switch like that's a great place for your ad to be yeah and uh they didn't tell us they were going to put us first in the direct either that was yeah big surprise i i'm not a very excitable person but when i saw that they put us first i dropped my phone and i jumped up and started screaming (laughs) i feel that's valid (laughs) that's a fair (laughs) response it was shocking (laughs) Yeah. And so you've been getting a lot of attention because of that. And that was like your studio's first, like first project, but not the only thing that you guys have made so far. No, we've actually just wrapped our second project, which has been killing me for the past month or so. Um, I can't tell you about that yet. And I also have no idea when it's coming out, but it's more ambitious than our first one. 
Ooh, which is very exciting considering how great the trailer was. So honestly, I mean, we'll be promoting like your guys' Twitter and all that. So make sure you go and check out their animation studio. So, cause I'm sure y'all will give updates when that's like officially released. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure. I mean, currently I am the one running the Twitter. So oh, wow. <laughs> if I can uh, keep on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I, especially in the arts, when you create something, it's never just, oh, I'm the leader of X. It's I'm, I do this, but I also voice act. I write stuff. I, I do PR. I do social media. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you do everything. Yeah, it's funny because when I announced that we created a studio, I think people were picturing like a like a building with a sign and like at least a few dozen people working at it. But like in reality, it was just me and like a couple other people that were the core members throwing this thing together. And uh, <laughs> how did you build this team? Um, so it was mostly just made up of people that I've worked with before, like people that I, I knew well and I knew I could trust. Um, I, I picked up some people from Castlevania that I used to work with. I picked up some people from Owl House at Disney that I, I used to work with. Uh, all very nice people, all very talented people that like saved us many, many times. Their <laughs> contributions cannot be overstated. Yeah, and I, I feel it's very important. And I think you mentioned this in your um, Crunchyroll interview that it's very important to have a crew that you know is going to work well together. Um, I think, I think you touched on that, I believe of, um, like knowing that you work well with these people and that, you know, you know, that they'll work well, especially when you kind of just have to chuck them together for a project, knowing that things are going to go smoothly kind of helps kind of better chug you along towards success, uh, especially with this being y'all's first project. Um, and so you met these people through animation. What got you into animations? Like what, what's your background with that? So um, I used to watch Toonami a lot when I was a kid. And one day they started airing this crazy show uh, called Naruto. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you've heard of it. It's got this like ninja, the orange jumpsuit. Oh, right. And the ramen and all guy. That. Yeah. But, yeah. It was like the ramen guy. But basically there's this one episode early on in the series. I think it's like in the 20s. I don't remember the actual numeric for that episode. But it was... Uh, it had this really talented animator on it named Noria Matsumoto. And I saw his work for the first time and I'd never encountered anything like that before. You know, like I'd mm -hmm. seen like good animation from Japan before I grew up watching Miyazaki movies, but those are so consistent. You almost expect that quality to be there. It's like, right. it's kind of an after thought, like you don't register it as an audience, but when you're watching something like Naruto where half of the episodes are like outsourced to all these different studios, and then suddenly there's this one in-house production with like a really talented animator. It stands out a lot. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I saw that and I was like, that is the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And then I was like, no, nah, I couldn't do that. So I, <laughs> I went, I went some years and uh, eventually I saw an animation someone had posted online and it looked like they'd made it like an MS paint with their mouse. And it was pretty good. And I thought, well, if they can make it an MS paint with their mouse, then surely... I, with this crappy tablet, could make animation if I wanted to. And I, I just, I started doing it after that with like freeware from the internet that would crash on me every two seconds and then wouldn't export anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all the starting <laughs> programs that we use. Yeah. I think that pro program was called Pencil or something. And everything that I did manage to export from it, um, 
did eventually bug itself, so I, I cannot get those files back. I managed to reassemble one of them recently by taking screenshots of every single frame and oh. then putting that into my animation software and reassembling the timing. It's wild. Oh, wow. That, that's a way to spend a couple days. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're getting too into the technicalities of animation now. It might be too boring to listen to. I, I, I don't care. I think this is fascinating. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, okay, so you, you got into it um, through like watching anime and other things like that. Uh, what was your kind of journey on getting into, because like you're working on Into the Spider-Verse. You worked on Castlevania, which are some, that's some big projects and also Great stuff. Uh, so what kind of took you from your doing this on this crappy tablet with a constantly crashing <laughs> program <laughs> up to where to where you are now with your own studio? Well, I mean, I, I applied for art school, um, got into a few, decided to go to SVA, got into their animation program. And from day one in their animation program, they were like, you can animate here while you're in the school, but you should give up on that entirely because it's never going to happen once you get into the industry. We don't animate in this country anymore. We outsource everything to Korea. And so you're never going to find a job in animation. You should probably be a storyboarder or a compositor. And I was like, that sucks. I'm just going to keep doing it anyway. And after a, a couple of years in school, I realized like they didn't really have that much to teach me in animation because they were trying to push everyone towards storyboarding and compositing and designing. Mm. And so I dropped out and um, I didn't really know what I was going to do with myself because they had drilled this idea into my head that I was never going to be an animator uh, professionally. And so I went and I worked at a tire shop for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, um, but then around uh, about a year later, I, I heard from some of my friends who went to school with me that there was a studio in Los Angeles that was hiring animators uh they were called adhd and i was like that sounds interesting i'm probably not gonna apply for that and my friend dana who is now the showrunner of owl house at the time she was basically like you naive jerk you have not even tried working in the industry yet how can you be so sure that you would not enjoy it even if it's not exactly what you want to do and i thought well, she's probably right about that. So I applied to ADHD and then I ended up moving to Los Angeles a month later and working for them. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they were the, they're not like a great studio oh, to work for. I feel yeah. like everyone has some stories coming out of that place. They went under quite a long time ago, but the people who uh, worked there are all still in animation working in all these different jobs. So they had a lot of great talent. Um, I ended up leaving after about a year and, uh, I thought, man, that sucked. I am never going to work in animation again. <laughs> and I, I came back to Georgia and, uh, kind of bottomed out for a year and became nocturnal, worked a few freelance animation jobs, nothing really too crazy. And then around that time, the director, well, the 2B director of Castlevania reached out to me on Tumblr. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he was like, hey, do you want to come work for Powerhouse Animation? We could use someone like you. And we have this big secret project that might be coming up, but we can't guarantee it's real yet. And I was like, I've heard this one a million times and I really don't feel like doing that. So I'm not going to do that. And uh, a month later, I changed my mind and I was like, hey, do you still have that opening? And I ended up going to work for them. 
couple months working there and they landed Castlevania. So, you know, the rest is history. Which I, I remember watching Castlevania first getting into it because uh, we got into it because our roommate is super into the video games. And so they got all excited and put it up. And I remember I was like, I don't know who any of these people are or what's going on, but I was captivated by the animation. And also I, I didn't expect it to be as gory as it was, but it worked. <laughs> it worked really well. <laughs> but yeah. So, and what exactly was your job on Castlevania? Like what was it that you did, you know, for that project? Because I, I'm sure that there's different positions within animation teams. Like, so what was it that you did? Well, I started off as a storyboarder because when we got the show, we weren't even sure that we were going to be able to do any animation for it. It was right. going to be outsourced to Korea. And, you know, the director really wanted to have animation done in-house, but Powerhouse at the time could definitely not handle a TV show. Mm. And we weren't even sure if the studio was going to collaborate with us on animation. It was kind of like, uncharted waters this is not really a thing that studios did at the time and i don't think there are many studios doing that now still but yeah um you know i started as a storyboarder and at a certain point um after some talks we were like okay we can take a few scenes from a few different episodes to animate here and then we'll just send them over for cleanup and they were like, okay, your title is now storyboarder and animator. And I was like, that sounds fine. And then like, <clears throat> um, excuse me. Good. Just a few weeks into production, they were like, we need someone to do special effects design. And, you know, we have all these character designers and like these creatures being designed, but like someone needs to do effects designs. And I was like, I'll do it. So then I became an effects designer on Castlevania. And then partway through, we were like timing our own storyboards and turning them into animatics because Powerhouse didn't have editors. <laughs> Right. Uh, <laughs> so then they were like, okay, now your title is also animatic editor. And I just started like accruing all of these titles <laughs> until eventually they were like, you're doing a lot of things. And now you're basically the person who is doing most of the animation here because Sam doesn't have time to do it. So how about you also be the animation director? And I was like, cool. I'm totally fine with adding a seventh title <laughs> <laughs> on this production. <clears throat> That one project added like seven titles to your resume. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> I mean, it's it, as long as you kind of mentally take care of yourself, it can be really beneficial to have those kinds of projects as long as it doesn't mentally kill you, of course. <laughs> um, oh, it, it definitely mentally killed me. I did not know how to take care of myself back then. I'm still kind of working on that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's adulthood. <laughs> We're going to spend about <laughs> how many, like 30, 40 years figuring that out? Maybe. Oh, God, I hope it's, I don't think I'll have that long if I, if I continue my <laughs> same work habits. I mean, 2020 was going to be the year, you know, that my New Year's resolution was to not take freelance and then I started an animation studio. <laughs> then 2020 <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and I, especially because like in the arts industry, we've had to get super creative. I mean, that, that's what we do. Um, but we, we've really had to get um, flexible on what it is that we're doing, especially Nowadays, if you're working a job that had you in meetings or performing in front of audiences or going and interacting with people, like you can't really do that as much, especially kind of where we're located. 
Um, but I I saw that Grackle Studio um, has, you have animators from kind of like all over. I, I saw that on your website. Uh, so can you kind of tell us a little bit about how your team is spread out? Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> our core members, uh, just the people that I've worked with before are, uh, well, at the moment, the only one that worked on that project Wait, sorry. I need to collect my thoughts. It's been a while. It's all good. <laughs> uh, so Robbie Cook, our cleanup lead, um, he worked at Powerhouse with me. He's currently based in Los Angeles. Uh, there's a uh, Craig Nowicki, okay. who is also worked at Powerhouse with me, and he is based in Austin, Texas. But then I pulled from a bunch of different freelancers around the world that I worked with before. Uh, yeah, there's this super talented animation guy named Waylon Zhang. He's like the prodigy of the animation industry right now, like much younger than me and been working in anime for exactly the same amount of time. Dang. <laughs> yeah. And then from that same project that we worked on, uh, there were a few animators that impressed me, uh, Jim and then uh, Maverick. Uh, they both had really good work on that project and I'd never worked with them before, but I thought like, hey, Let's try it out and see what happens. And they've worked with Waylon and they already have a Japanese process. So if I just structure a whole project around that, then they will already understand it. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> kind of an easy in at that point. Yeah. And then Jane Bach, our background artist, worked at Owl House with me. I was just like, hey, Jane, let's, you want to do some backgrounds? <laughs> and she was like, yeah, I've got some time before Owl House needs me back. Um, and Lauren also, our sound editor, uh, she did all the sound design on that project. Lauren Christ, she uh, worked on Owl House with me as well. And she is also my taxidermy teacher. <laughs> okay, hold on. No, no, no. Total derailing of the entire conversation. <laughs> Ta you do taxidermy and archery? Okay, okay, hold on. <laughs> so what got you into taxidermy? That is fascinating. Um, so wait, first I want to just preface this with like, I have never killed an animal. Okay. <laughs> and I, I've never worked with an animal that was like killed for anything other than it, it needed to be cold. Right. Yeah. It was not a, I, I, I'm not, I'm not like out there like killing animals. <laughs> just oh yeah. No. Of, well, yeah. I, I grew mm. up in like Midwestern farm country. So my first association was roadkill. Um, because yeah. it's everywhere. No, and actually the teacher only works with reclaimed animals. So like they, okay. they, they, she's not out there like paying people to, to kill. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I got to put that out there or everyone on the internet will, will kill me. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's fair. And yeah. I, I do appreciate the clarification. I'm still very curious though, because that is fascinating. <laughs> okay. Um, basically. So like I, uh, I was sitting in my office one day and Lauren comes waltzing in and she's like, Hey, you said that you were interested in taxidermy, right? And I was like, yeah, I might've said that at some point. And she was like, okay, well, so my teacher, Alice is teaching this class and it's going to fill up really, really fast because she's one of the best teachers in the world. So uh, you should sign up for it right now. And I was like, well, if it's going to fill up fast. So I just like sign up for it on the Disney computer. And, um, then a few weeks later, I was talking to my friend Alice, and I was like, yeah, I know. I signed up for Lauren's taxidermy class. I think it's full by now, though. And Alice is like, man, I have been telling her forever that I wanted to get into taxidermy. And I think that Lauren might have mistaken my interest for Alice. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up getting into this class. It was a, a full female class because Alice 
is like a like badass and in this industry that is known mostly for like white male taxidermists. She's like this woman who came in and became one of the best in the entire world, right? Yeah. So a lot of women seek to take her class. I was the only guy there, and I and I had like kind of a half-hearted interest in it. I was I was not sure if I was going to be able to do this thing. So there's all these like super focused, super talented ladies in this class, and they're just like going off on these birds. And I'm sitting here like, is anyone else losing a lot of feathers? <laughs> no, just me. Okay, that's cool. And they were just like, what what is this guy doing here? <laughs> <clears throat> oh, that. <clears throat> I'm still losing it over the signed up for a taxidermy class on a Disney computer because that. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, some form I was not the only one, to be fair. I was not the only one. <laughs> I imagine. Yeah. No. <laughs> that's just like, that's some form of aesthetic. And I don't know how, but I want to achieve it. <laughs> like, it's like a, I don't know. Yeah. What would you call that? It's something for sure. I, People say that, that I do things in a pattern that is hard to describe, but very consistent. And uh, that falls right in line with them. Yeah, I think. <clears throat> oh, sorry, that's just delightful. Oh, that was uh, that wasn't <laughs> even remotely planned to be touched on, but I could not just let that go. That was great. No, definitely not. And I'm probably <laughs> going to get like so much flack for this. Just yeah, I just want everyone to know that like the bird that I taxidermied was not was not hunted. It was. Provided it, through ethical, it ethical was provided sourcing. through ethical sourcing. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's the thing. Like her school of taxidermy is apparently to take some animal that died either of natural causes or like ran into a window, and she just reassembles it into the into a specimen that looks perfect. Yeah. And so, as someone who lived in the countryside, birds run into windows very, very often, especially like if you put like a hummingbird <clears> feeder <throat> right next to the window. Yeah, it, it happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, it does happen. But uh, so and one of the reasons that I um, strategically like sent a uh, tag you in a tweet because I was like, oh, man, it'd be so cool to have him on um, is also I saw you made some tweets recently talking about um, trying to find other queer led animation studios. Um, yeah. So. I kind of wanted to touch a bit. So we kind of got the, the basics of what you do within the animation and the basics of your, your, your studio. Um, but I would love to discuss kind of your experience as someone who is queer, who, you know, a, a gay man in the entertainment biz, uh, in the animation biz. I, I consider animation entertainment business, um, but- yeah. So kind of what's your experience been like? Has you being queer affected anything um, with your experience in the industry? Um, you know, it's interesting that you should ask that because when you first reached out to interview me, I was like, this is the first time I've been interviewed by a queer anything. And that I think reflects my entire experience in the industry. I think for a long time, people just never realized I was queer or kept forgetting about it or just didn't think about it, even though I've been very open about it since my first days on the internet. Yeah. Um, I think people see my, my work first and then maybe if I'm lucky, they memorize my name and that's probably about as deep as their understanding of me goes. I'm not, I don't put a lot of myself out there on the internet. Yeah. Um, and so uh, 
I mean, Powerhouse was always like a skill first kind of studio. So they hired a lot of queer people and it was no questions asked about that. I've never really had any problems with being queer in the industry. Um, but that said, like when you get into the, like the big studios, you don't see a lot of queer people. And I don't think that they're like actively discriminating against queer people. I, I think it's more like, I think it's more of a, uh, societal thing. I think queer people aren't given as many opportunities and there aren't enough programs to give people those opportunities. And I just happened to be one of the lucky few that was in the right place in the right time and just yanked myself out of some town in the deep South and placed myself into the industry. Yeah. <clears throat> but like a lot of people don't get that lucky. Like a lot of people don't get that director messaging them on Tumblr or, uh, or lucky enough to have friends that become showrunners at Disney and then want to hire you later. Like I have been very, very lucky. And like a lot of people are not. Yeah. Um, I think I'm going off on a tangent here, but that, that, that's yeah. in, in short, my entire experience never really gotten a lot of flack for it. I've gotten more, uh, had more issues with being Asian. Which, yeah. And it's, interesting because it's like you see they like the people will tout themselves for talent first or and it's like they'll, they'll like kind of cherry pick what that applies to um whether it's talent first and they're like oh well we don't care if you're what your gender is but we do kind of yeah. care about this over here it's like but you said so uh, if you would like, um, would you like to discuss your experiences as a Asian man in the animation business? <laughs> um, I mean, no one has ever turned me away from a job or anything. It's, it's the sort of thing where it's just like every now and then at work, someone throws a comment around and it's weird. Mm. And you don't know how you feel about that. And everyone looks at you because they also felt that it was weird. But no one can really say anything, and HR departments aren't super helpful a lot of the time. Um, <laughs> um, I'm definitely not going to name any names, but like when I, ah, <laughs> uh, I don't know how specifically I want to talk about this. That's the other thing too. It's kind of a hard subject to broach. <laughs> yeah, you don't. We don't want to piss anyone off, and uh, well, I mean, like, what could they do to me at this point, though? Like, what are they gonna do? especially <laughs> if you don't reference them by name <laughs> like, yeah i am personally like coming to term i'm trying to come to terms with that like i would love to be out there on the internet just calling out like every single person but it's hard like you don't want to lose job opportunities because because you said the wrong thing about the wrong person yeah but especially i think i'm past that by now I, i'm like i'm like at what point can i stop worrying about what other people think of me and i am just i'm just having this this process right on your podcast so i'm sorry about that no this is oddly <laughs> magical <laughs> listen i've had people cry i've had people like you know get really emotional and in-depth i am just here to give you platform <laughs> so whatever you want to share go well, i'm not it. gonna I'm not gonna cry for you oh Let's get darn Definitely, okay fine yeah. <laughs> there's not enough water in this body as it is so that's fair. Um, <laughs> That's fair. It's like I'm too dehydrated to cry. Yeah. Have you have you ever experienced a Los Angeles summer? Uh, no. There's a reason why people say drink water so much in California. Like that is the reason. It's ah. <laughs> it's because if you don't constantly drink water in Los Angeles, you are dry. Period. 
Oh no, no, um, I'm actually in Florida. <laughs> so it's the opposite. We walk outside and it's soup. So yeah. like, I don't- Yeah, I never, <laughs> I never got it until moving to Los Angeles. And then I walked outside and I was like, oh yeah, I took a breath and I got a dehydration headache. Yeah, it's like my <laughs> mouth is just dry. Yeah, it's rough, but you know, basically, to get back to the point, you know, it's it's just people throw comments around at work. I get where you from all the time, all the time. It's so annoying, and it's like it's it's partially, I, at least from what I've heard people explain, it's kind of like, you know, okay, do you you almost want to retort with a why are you asking me? Where are you from? Yeah. Like, I mean, I've never gotten that question for obvious reasons, but like the audacity of what, why does it matter if nothing else? Well, see, like my thing is that I love to, I love to turn it around on them. So like when someone asks me that question, usually my strategy is to just be like, would you like to venture a guess? And then they get uncomfortable. So then we're both uncomfortable. And I'm like, yeah, I can do it to you too. (laughs) Tell me what kind of Asian I am. (laughs) That's, oh, that's, that's like an A plus response right there. Cause it's like, they don't, (laughs) they don't need to know. Yeah. And I, I know that, um, so my wife, um, she is, uh, her mother's from the Philippines and her, uh, dad's kind of been all over the U S. Um, but she doesn't look, um, Asian, like her, her brother looks far more Filipino than she does. Um, so she often gets mistaken for being like Latina. And she is like, I, she, so when she gets asked that, she knows that a lot of people are asking, assuming that like her family came from like Mexico or something. And so she just loves to like, oh, you know, from the Philippines, cause just <laughs> watching them their entire like, they made these assumptions like, well, I know, obviously. And then to just be so wrong. Um, but that's if she even humors it, <laughs> which is fair, honestly. But, and it's, it's those little microaggression, those, those tiny awkward questions, which you don't want to make a stink about because then you feel like you're the jerk or other people are going to make you feel like you are the jerk. Uh, and it doesn't quite break the rules. So who do you complain to? Yeah. Oh, that reminds me, actually. There was one gay thing that happened to me. Now that you bring up microaggressions, but it was kind of a funny story because it was like I had, I had just started at this job at Nickelodeon and this guy that I was working with, I like barely knew him. I'm not going to name him because he might be really mad if I did. Um, <laughs> but I was complaining that it was hard to find dates in Los Angeles. And he was like, oh, I'll set you up with my friend. And I was like, that sounds lovely. Would you? And then two years down the line, he's like, hey, I'm doing this microaggression training. And it says that if you try to set up your gay friend with one of your friends, that's a microaggression. And I was like, oh, is it? Oh, I see how it could be. But I invited it. So I yeah. think that in that case, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like it, you can kind of see. It's like, yeah, yeah, just because we're both gay doesn't mean that we're going to yeah no like I totally I totally got it and he was like did I microaggress you and I was like no I don't I don't think you did this time but like but stay on your toes <laughs> but you're on thin ice now <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah and like I'm I'm from southeastern Indiana small little farm town 
Um, so you get those, the really well-meaning people, but it's like, ugh, oh, yeah. it, don't, it's like, grandma, I appreciate <laughs> it, um, but <laughs> relax. So, uh, and the arts industry, a thing that I've noticed and I would like to get your, your opinion on, um, sure. is a lot of people say that, you know, queer people are drawn to the arts because the arts, quote unquote, the arts are viewed for being very liberal, very open to queer people and um, very seeking for diversity and stuff. And I believe that there is truth in that when it comes to the like, as like to the essence of the arts, but the arts as a business and as an industry I feel doesn't, hasn't quite caught up with the assumptions that people make. So with your experience as a, you know, gay Asian man who's been in LA and done all this and coming from deep South Georgia, which, wow. <laughs> I almost want to ask where, because I have family in Georgia and I almost want to, I want to apologize ahead of time. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, but your experience with like your expectations, if you even really had any versus the reality of kind of your day-to-day, -day, your experiences within the industry. Um, that's a good one. Well, so the thing, the other thing is too, that like I'm one of those privileged gay men that has, if I want the option of hiding my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, when you grow up in the deep South, if you have that option, you are going to take that option. <laughs> especially, especially, I mean, like up until recently. And now, now I walk around and I'm like, hey, nice to meet you. I'm very gay. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I grew up hiding my sexuality for a lot of my youth. It was the safest option. And so when I got into the industry, if I didn't, if I don't outright mention my sexuality to a lot of people, I can't really tell. And so um, I didn't think about it. I didn't really have any ideas of what it might be like going into that industry. You know, when, when you grow up in the deep South, you don't really get privy to things. I, I didn't, I didn't even know that like women getting sexually harassed more often was a thing until I moved to New York because yeah. no one talked about it here. Like that was not part of my education. <laughs> right. Uh, I had to learn a lot of things really, really fast. I had to get woke. Yeah. As the kids call it. Right. <laughs> so and I'm still working on that, honestly. I feel like I'll be yeah. learning that for the rest of my life. And it just keeps oh, yeah. it just keeps going deeper. Yeah. It just keeps going deeper. We're constant <laughs> we're constantly learning and constantly unlearning things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um what was I saying? I just totally lost my train of thought. Oh yeah, so it didn't I didn't really have any expectations and it didn't really affect me very much and i think it's part of the reason why no one realized i was gay like it's like everyone collectively forgets that i'm gay until i make a tweet that suggests it and i only do that once or twice a year maybe less there was the one where i asked people if they wanted to submit boyfriend applications through my brother and i think that <laughs> tipped people off um just a little a little hint just like oh i gotta yeah. remind everyone i'm gay okay there we go okay be back in six months guys <laughs> Oh no, I had nothing to do with that. I just, I just, you know, want to date someone. So like, Hey, if you want to submit a boyfriend application through my brother, <laughs> he is still taking boyfriend, boyfriend applications. 
um, because I'm super bad at dating apps. And uh, also, actually, I'm not really looking right now because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. COVID's kind of put a, a bit of a, a bit of a hold on meeting new people. Yeah. Um, but also, like, I was going to say something. And then my brain said, no, you're not. And then lost <laughs> everything. My apologies on that. But, <laughs> well, here, then we'll, we'll find a new topic. And maybe if my brain remembers, we'll backtrack. We'll see how this new goes. New topic. Love having ADD. That's a great thing. Anyway, so, uh, and so after, you know, you kind of got yourself established, you've gotten yourself kind of settled with, you know, because I, I saw on the Studio Grackle um, uh, Twitter about how, like, just how fast that blew up. And I'm sure there had to be some, like, semblance of whiplash on just all of that sudden attention. Um, and I kind of want to ask, like, what that felt like just suddenly, because, like, you've been in the industry, you've been in the business, you've had eyes on you. Um, but, like, what how did it feel like just seeing this studio of yours blow up so quickly after the Hades trailer? Uh, you know, it was different. I've had animation that's done well on the internet before. Like yeah. I, the Castlevania opening was that, that was the thing that like got my Twitter started and yeah. it, it wasn't too different in scale, at least on Twitter, but like seeing that trailer blow up specifically a lot more fulfilling because it wasn't like I did this. It was like, we did this. Yeah. All of us together. And now we can like do more of it. Yeah. And no one can tell us to stop. That's the crazy thing. Like no one can tell us to stop because there's no one above me in the studio. So we can just keep doing this thing together. That's, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I'm the boss now, (laughs) which has some perks. (laughs) Uh, I mean, the only, the only perks I, re- I really want out of it is to just stop letting people get in our way. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a very noble and also not just noble, but like a, a, a also what's the word I'm looking for? A very human want is to just not be controlled and not be told what you can and can't do. And especially as queer people, we live in a society where that's the constant yeah it's so like the whole thing about this too is that like i don't want grackle to be a studio that's in like los angeles right like i kind of want to pluck us outside of the industry and put us over there in a place that isn't so insane and uh vain yeah Yeah. (laughs) um and expensive (laughs) yeah and and a lot less uh racist and sexist and homophobic yeah um so like uh, when I realized that this thing was starting to take off, I thought like, wow, this could really be something. Like if we keep pushing at this, like maybe we could open a physical location. Like maybe we could hire anyone we want. Like maybe with like me and a, a few other queers in charge, like we could actually have a studio that's like ethical and good to work for. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That, those, that, I didn't know it could do that. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And so like I... It was kind of, so like kind of like the seeing that trailer blow up. I was like, we might have a shot at something more interesting than what I originally was thinking. 
like like that that uh idealistic dream that I, I had when i was like a child like we might be able to reach that if we just work enough that's kind of that's kind of cool <laughs> yeah and i mean the animation like you've got a really good team and it's because it's like you go and you watch like for example the the hades trailer and I swear, like every time I watch it, I, I notice something that I hadn't seen the previous time I watched it. There's so many layers and fine detail. And it's also like the way that you melded, like, cause like it was, what was it? Something about towards the end where, um, how do I describe this? Like the, the, the very fluid motions of it. And there was like talk where you kind of like had to get creative with like the melding of different animation styles for it. Um, I might just edit this out because I am drawing such a blank here. Anyway, needless to say, <laughs> it looks great. <laughs> you don't need me to tell you that. That was just, I guess, the point I was trying to make. Um, but you, 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 you created something, honestly, and also uh, your greatest improvisation of wipes the hair out of his face sexily um or comes out of the blood sexily or something <laughs> yeah uh, i think that tweet is actually how i discovered you <laughs> to be you gotta be kidding me man <laughs> to be completely honest because i remember that going through through my twitter a while ago and i think it was that tweet that was like okay all right so i i had a little bit of interest in the Hades game, mostly because I saw Art of Dionysus and I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> okay, fine, I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. Uh, <laughs> but then I saw that tweet and just knowing that, knowing that a queer person was behind the trailer, like that immediately was like, oh, 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 okay. All right, well, I, actually I'm gonna look into this. <laughs> And, and then I dove into all of it. That was that. Um, but I thought about reaching out to you because my wife sent me a tweet that you had like quoted talking about uh, the animation of Avatar The Last Airbender. Right. That yeah. tweet. Oh, God. Every time I tweet, every time I tweet, there's like, there's like a 30 second window right after I make the tweet. And in that 30 seconds, I know whether I'm going to regret the tweet. Oh, no. And I I think at that one, I, I regretted it at like the, like the two second marker. I feel like every single time I tweet about the Legend of Korra or Avatar, I always, I always regret it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> every single man. time. And I never say anything that's like inherently wrong, but I regret the attention that it gets. And I wish that the thought had just stayed in my head where it belongs. <laughs> yeah, which is the wild thing. I feel like that energy went from Tumblr to Twitter. <laughs> and yeah. Tumblr has calmed down. I mean, it's still Tumblr. But like, it's, it's calmed down because now it's all on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so so my, my quote about that tweet, right? Like it had nothing to do with the actual video. I liked the video. The problem yeah. was that they made a totally false claim about the art of storyboarding, which is a very common thing when these like media outlets decide they're going to do something about animation, they don't respect it enough to actually do the research or even ask a single, a single mm. storyboarder. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like writing a female character without knowing a single female. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Oh, I know how women are. And it's like, do you, are you sure? But okay. Yeah. And I'm like, 
it just it rubs me the wrong way man like when i see stuff like that i'm like god just ask someone yeah there's so much information or misinformation in our industry because this is what always happens to us they don't respect us enough they they only think of like live action film or theater as high entertainment art it can't be animation it can never be animation and so they don't give us the respect to just do a little bit of research it's not hard yeah or as you said just reach out to like one ideally you'd reach out to multiple people because there's multiple experiences but you just do the bare minimum just reach out to at least one yeah, it, if, even like a student storyboard artist, like like someone who is aiming to get into the industry, like if you had asked a college student, mm-hmm. they they could have told you not to say that. They could have told you to at least dial it back to a less a less broad sweeping statement. <laughs> yeah, or or something that was less specific than what you said. And I'm acting here like it was like a crime against humanity for them to say this thing that was wrong. But like, God, it was wrong. (laughs) It it, it might not even, it's it's one of those things where it's not a big deal. But when you get that kind of constant erasure and disrespect and like talking over, you get fed up. It's like, I, you keep saying all these things. Like um, my wife and I's roommate actually, um, took some courses in animation, um, dropped out because they moved from Indiana to Florida. Um, But so they've gone to animation school, taken classes and they're trying to get into 2D stuff. But just hearing them, like the second that you mentioned, you could even ask a college kid. Like that was my first thought was, (laughs) yeah, no, my Cecil seemed pretty miffed about that too. I, you know what, you got got a thing there. (laughs) Like, and it's, but you see it all the time when you know what it is hmm. that's a microaggression they microaggressed me okay <laughs> you gotta sue them you got well, yeah don't. i gotta sue them <laughs> you just you gotta right now all right let's get a lawyer let's get a queer lawyer on the uh, on the podcast we're gonna <laughs> anyway <laughs> before we get too into that bit um but a, a thing that i've noticed with artists is like the more behind the scenes you are, the more that you're kind of just like, whatever. It's the anim- the animators, eh, you know, the depending on the type of acting, because like you get Hollywood stage act and Hollywood film actors, but like uh, depending on where you work, voice acting can be really tough. Um, you get depending on who the writers are it's like just it's a brutal brutal industry honestly yeah it's i mean it's an industry that ironically the the people who are never seen in are the artists that work on the thing i mean like it's obviously very important that actors and voice actors and musicians like get in on the attention but the thing is that like they, they almost never give the artists the attention Exactly. I had to go out and grab the attention for myself on Twitter when I was younger. <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's weird how they, again, it's the whole cherry picking of who to give attention to, of like what to give attention to when it's a very collaborative effort that takes yeah. 
a whole crew, whether it's a crew of people brought together and you got like 50 plus people or a spontaneous animation studio with just a half a dozen people. Uh, (laughs) it, It takes a crew. It takes a whole group to do this. And everyone's going to be working their butts off doing different things should all be equally respected oh wait speaking of that i totally forget forgot to mention uh uh chingzi wong the, the the director of that boruto episode i worked on that also animated on hades and i just forgot to mention him before <laughs> even though he's incredible you were saving the, the best for last yeah i was saving well, I mean, Chingsy's <laughs> amazing, but everyone else who worked on the project is also amazing. I don't play favorites That's Grackle. That's, that's <laughs> the best way to be, because you can always tell when a boss plays favorites. You can always tell. Yeah. Even if you <clears throat> are the favorite, it still feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, I didn't ask for this. I, I no, no, thank you. At, at least my experience has been like, no, please don't do this to me. I don't, <laughs> I don't want this. But I digress. So um, what are some goals that like you have for yourself and or Studio Grackle? Because I, 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 I never like to just assume that people are f- solely invested in this one thing. What are some goals that you have for yourself and your studio? Uh, so my only goal right now is the studio. I mean, of course, okay. I want to finish Spider-Verse. And I want to do a really good job on that. But right. <laughs> the studio i think after spider verse is done is i want that to be the main thing that i do and our sole goal right now is to start getting into original content because we don't client work up until this point and we can make beautiful client work forever but i really want our studio to make original work yeah like what sort of and work so are you i would well i would really like to make a tv show out of the studio hmm. and there are a lot of different avenues we could explore for that and we're kind of working on a battle plan for it at the moment. But uh, the client work we've taken up until this point has kind of been in preparation both for the funding and for refining the pipeline and seeing uh, who works well in what areas and who works well together. Um, we're just, we're just uh, gearing up for it, <laughs> trying to be as prepared as we can. Um, but I, I would really like to get into that. I think that's the thing that we're aiming to do. And also I would really, once this whole mess is done with the uh, deadly virus that's killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. um, Wait, hundreds of thousands? How many, Uh, how many are we at now? Wait, let's not talk about this. Uh, (laughs) It's too many, too many. (laughs) I live in Florida. I haven't left my house in weeks. Oh my God. I don't even know how many are. Uh, It's impossible to keep up with. Too many, too Too many. many. Anyway. Once this thing is done with, I would really like to open a physical studio space. Yeah. We are, we're currently an entirely digital studio. And while that works super well during COVID, I like working in a place with people around me. Yeah. I like to be social with the people that I work with. And I like to be able to just walk over to a desk because I hate sending emails more than anything in the world. I hate it. Yeah. It is the worst. People will send me like, a page's worth of email that I have to spend like an hour reading because they've used some very fancy words. And then I will type like a one sentence response that gets the job done because I don't want to say anything more than that. I don't want to put the brain power into, into saying anything more than just the thing I need to say. And that yeah. makes me appear rude. And then, and then I have to do it again. And then, <laughs> and, 
the next half hour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you get those Zoom calls that could have been an email and you get those emails yeah. that could have been a text. And it's like, can we just simplicity, yeah. please? I, w- I Honestly, I would take a Zoom call over an email. That's I would take fair. a Zoom call over an email. Yeah. Uh, you get I'm, more... I'm starting to get good at this now. I hated talking on the phone, but now since COVID, I feel much better about talking on the phone. <laughs> You've had to practice. <laughs> There's no avoiding yeah. it now. I was the guy who would be like, hey, everybody want to order a pizza? And they'd be like, yeah, Spencer. And I'd be like, okay, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God Domino's has that app now. Like, I don't, we don't got to call anybody. We just. Yeah. Although uh, now, now during COVID, it's like, hey, yeah, I, I would order the, pi- order the pizza, except I'm too busy over here making my own pizza with dough that I made from flour from the store. <laughs> yeah. Making this stuff from scratch now because I got nothing yeah. else to do. Nothing else to do. Yeah, like we finally made bread for the first time, and it's like it took us over a year, like a year of COVID, to finally make bread. But here we are. I have this story about making bread that's totally unrelated to anything we're talking about. But on one of the dating apps, I realized that there was no text limit. It was like the only dating app. I was on a few of them for a while, but like I realized there was no text limit on one of them. And so in the interested in category, I wrote a short story about how I went to make bread and then I placed it on the windowsill and it kind of spilled over out of the bowl. And I was like, oh crap, better get that and put it in a bigger bowl. And then three months later, I moved a box away from my wall and there was like this giant, like this fist sized alien egg sack growing on the baseboard of my wall. And I was like, oh my God, what new vermin has infested my apartment? And I, I like looked down at the thing and I'm like, I don't even know, do roaches like eggs? Do roaches make giant egg sacks? I'm pretty sure they don't. What could this possibly be? I'm gonna poke it with my hand. And so I, I go to poke it and my finger cracks through the surface and it breaks off the wall and goes skittering across the floor. And I'm like, oh my God, it's hard. What is it? And I pick it up and I'm like looking at it and like turning it over and over. And there's all these like crevices. Like it looks like a, it looks like a spider web on the inside, but it's hard and it's brittle. And I'm like, what is this? What is this? Oh, it's dough. This is dough. I made a cracker. I made a cracker on my wall. And so I put that in my interested in section and the end of the story is, this is all to say, I've recently took an interest in baking. (laughs) And since then, I have gotten no people saying like, oh, look how hot you are. Every single person who responds to me on these dating apps is like, you are such a good writer. And I'm like, thank you. It's the only thing I've ever written. (laughs) You know, you take from what you know, personal experiences are a great base. (laughs) I, ever since then, dating, dating apps have been so much more fun. I don't want anyone to be attracted to me anymore. I just want them to compliment my writing. (laughs) (laughs) I want them to acknowledge my writing skills and the abomination I created on my wall. Yeah, I have a picture of it. Oh I can send it to you if you want. Please, please. I, I'm so <laughs> curious. 
it's bad it's creepy like if you saw this thing what would you think i would like to i would love to know your thoughts i i do need to say i either zoom or twitter or anything please i need to see this yeah but oh god i'm so i needed that um that that full <laughs> laugh that was good thank you <laughs> You're welcome. <sighs> well, all right. Before we start to wrap up, uh, I want to ask, where can our listeners find you and your work? Where can they find the studio's work? Oh, okay. So you can find us on, oh, geez. Uh, Twitter for sure, at, at Studio Grackle. I think Instagram is also at Studio Grackle. We have a Facebook. Not a lot of people on it. I'm pretty sure that's also at Studio Grackle. I think we're at Studio Grackle on basically anything you could think of. I have I have a friend who made our website, and on the day of the Nintendo Direct trailer, he was like, "We need to grab we need to grab socials," and I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." <laughs> Once you have established a brand, you need to snag it <laughs> because yeah, <sighs> he he is our he is our um, I would like to call him our coordinator. He is our coordinator, oh. Adam Amaral. His name has a lot of A's in it. Yeah, it um, does. Yeah. And he was like, hey, we're going to grab all these socials and we're going to grab all of the socials that are adjacent to it so no one can pretend to be you. And I was like, I'm so glad I hired you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're here to do this for me. <laughs> yeah. Our website. Our website probably should, you probably need some work though. Oh, we have a website at wearestudiograckle.com. But we made it on Squarespace like the day of the Nintendo Direct. So um, it doesn't look so good on mobile. And I thought people were going to view it on desktop, but I was wrong and I feel like an idiot. It still works on mobile though. It's just not as good as the desktop version. If you're going to get on our website, please use the desktop version. <laughs> if you're on your phone, look at our Twitter. Uh, if, you're on our, if you're on a phone, yeah. just go to social media on a desktop website. Yes, for sure. <laughs> our Twitter has like four tweets on it. I will tweet more when we actually have something to say. Because I don't really like our social to be the sort of social that is just trying to make you remember that they exist. Yeah. I'm sure you'll remember. You're intelligent enough, right? You might not care, but like, <laughs> you'll see us and you'll be like, oh yeah, Someone... that's that bird studio that's cussing. <laughs> that's all, that's all, that's all that's needed, honestly. <laughs> just let the bird, I'm going to have to censor myself, but I need to say this, let the bird say fuck. just please bird i made that logo in like half an hour and um i i think it's pretty decent you know as far as logos go i was like you know everyone's gonna remember cussin bird i hope (laughs) that it'd be very sad if that didn't work um if that wasn't enough that's sad (laughs) (laughs) i would be sad but i mean if if it doesn't work I'll, i'll just get someone who actually knows how to design logos to design a logo (laughs) and we will rebrand as companies do and that's true as soon as the public interest starts to wane you're like well all right time for good old rebranding but (laughs) uh well to anyone who's listening to this i will put uh links in the episode description for uh studio grackle and before we start to plug our own stuff because yeah this works uh is, is there any advice that you would like to give to maybe you know any anyone who's looking to get into animation who is 
just starting or is maybe getting some poor advice from their teachers or, you know, any sort of parting advice that you would like to uh, give to any listeners who might be trying to crack into the animation biz? Um, Post your work on the internet. If it's not visible, you're not doing yourself any favors. Um, Be careful who you listen to because there are a lot of people on the internet who think they know what they're talking about, but they don't. And sometimes they have massive follower accounts and they, they will spout nonsense, but it will be nonsense that is liked a lot. And so you should just think about, think about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just think about it. Um, so- do not fear rejection because everyone gets rejected. Literally everyone in the animation industry gets rejected. I have been rejected many, many, many times. Every single person in the animation industry gets rejected a lot. Sometimes you are not the right person for the job. Sometimes you are not in the right place at the right time. Sometimes they have already staffed up. There are like many things that go into this. And if you get rejected, that's not on you. I mean, sometimes it's on you, but you shouldn't automatically assume that it's on you. Right. It's kind of like a a common advice that I've given as like a voice actor is you audition for a living and sometimes you get to act. (laughs) You are going to get rejected far more often than you are going to, you know, land the gig. So that's, that's very solid advice, honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, like, honestly, the studio that just hired us to do this most recent project for Grackle, they rejected me in 2014. So there, right? <laughs> you just, they were like, they were just waiting to see what more you could do. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, I don't know what goes through hiring people's heads. I mean, I know what goes through my head when I'm hiring people, but everyone's different, right? Yeah. Uh, last piece of advice. Don't worry so much about getting a job. Obviously, you know, come up with some plans to submit your work to places. Definitely, like, get your portfolio together. You don't really need a portfolio site. It, it's not bad to have one, but a Tumblr or will do. An Instagram will do. People will look at these things now. I feel yeah. like a lot of people get hired off Twitter these days. But... Don't get so caught up in looking for a job or aiming for a specific studio that you forget to actually improve the quality of your work because I see that a lot. A lot of people are like, how do you get a job in the industry? And I'm like, hey, worry about being really good at what you do because if you do that, then they'll just hire you. Yeah. Well, it's like, uh, I I keep bringing it to voice acting because that's what I know, but you see in panels at cons, where people are talking to these really like Funimation voice actors. And I'm like, how did you get in the industry? And you always see just the briefest moment. They always make the same face after getting asked because they, it's, you always give the same answer of work on your skills and put yourself out there. Like, yeah. and I, I, I like that you mentioned gunning, like don't blind yourself by focusing on like a particular studio. Um, cause having goals is great, but I, I, opportunities may arise that are better for you to take than just blindly pursuing this one end goal. And like, you never planned to make an animation studio yet here you are and said that you finally figured out, like you found what you want to do. And that's cause you took a chance. And I think that's honestly one of the best, most important skills of being an artist of any kind is being flexible. Yeah. Well, I have tried to get out of animation so many times right now. I mean, I, I have done so many things that I thought that I didn't want to do that worked out. So that's 
Yeah. Just I mean, keep your mind open. Keeps, <laughs> keep your mind open. Keeps dragging you back in. <laughs> it does. It does. It's like Kiryu Kazuma trying to get out of the Yakuza. Sorry, we the household beat Yakuza 6 last night, and that's all we can think about. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I really want to play that. I, I hear so much about those games, and I see all these references, and I see all these memes, and then I never play it. Now for the for our turn, you can find the Queer Fest experience uh, pretty much anywhere. Uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, our interviews are uploaded. We are on Twitter under Thespierience, which is a play between thespian and experience. We are on Instagram and Facebook under The Queer Thespierience. And you can follow us to get updates on new interviews and also other queer-led projects, such as our Midwestern Gothic queer-heavy audio drama, Jar of Rebuke, which by the time you listen to this, we will be in between seasons one and two because the season one finale aired January 21st and Honelli, it is starting to get heavy. So be sure to go check out Jar of Rebuke for all of your queer horror audio drama needs. So podcasts <laughs> like that go through the Queer Thesperience. You can find updates for those wherever. And remember, all the world's a stage. So be sure to give them one heck of a show. Until next time, this has been Casper Oliver, joined by my new buddy, Spencer, and we are now signing off. Bye-bye. Bye.